Let us pray. God, you are you are great. You are the God above the heavens. You've created all life belongs to you. You've given us your word so that we might be able to know the life that is truly life. And we pray that you would guide us with your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to turn to Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. If you don't have a Bible, please come see me after the worship service. I would be really uh, happy to give you a Bible. By the way, um, I'm in for our sound engineer. I just noticed that my battery is low. So if the sound goes out, I'm grabbing that microphone right there. He may be coming down right now to bring batteries or something. Or maybe he's just running away. No, he's bringing batteries. Thank you. All right. If you'll give me 10 seconds while you find the Gospel of Mark. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. All right, let's read together. Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. Now the them in that verse are religious leaders. That's identified in the uh, the previous story that, There are religious leaders present in the synagogue, and they are looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if Jesus would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill but they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Have you ever been or become the center of of everyone's attention, but in a way that terrified you. And I know some of you, those two things, being the center of attention and terror, they go hand in hand. Being the center of attention is terrifying for some all the time. It's quite a common reaction. Uh, I cannot help but think about this man with a shriveled hand in this story, and how he became the center of attention, and how it must have been terrifying, and he had Jesus to blame. (laughs) Now, don't get me wrong, Jesus is not the villain of the story. We can leave that for the religious leaders of the story and their hard-heartedness. They, too, were watching this man because of his withered hand, and they saw him as bait, to see if they could trap Jesus. But Jesus was the one who told this man to stand up in front of everyone. It was Jesus' fault. 
not only stand up in front of everyone, but so that they could see the one part of him that surely he wanted to keep hidden from everyone. And that was his shriveled hand. Jesus is calling him up so that the one part that he was perhaps the most embarrassed about, ashamed of, would be in full view. It's a little shocking. But Jesus wasn't trying to embarrass him. He had this incredibly important reason for doing so. So that's what I want to look at this morning. Why did Jesus have this man stand up in front of everyone? What point, important point was Jesus making? And what does that mean for us? The first point is this. When Jesus heals the man, he fulfills the heart of the Sabbath. So let's look at this. This uh, question that Jesus asked the Sabbath, which gets to the heart of the Sabbath, Jesus asks in verse 4, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? And we would like to say, well, Jesus, if those are the options that you're giving us, we're going to go out on a limb and say it's to do good. (laughs) Of course, but why? Why, why Why is the Sabbath about doing good? And, and to know the answer to that, we have to know what the Sabbath is all about. The Sabbath day was hugely important for the Jewish people in Jesus' day. And we have to, to really get that. that, that for the mindset of, of the Jewish people, the ancient Jewish people, was this. If you were not faithful to God on the Sabbath, then you were not being a faithful Jew. Faithfulness to the Sabbath, faithfulness to God, being a faithful Jew, all of that went hand in hand in hand with each other. Most Jewish people thought that, um, that this was what the, the most important way they could show that they were, they were the, the Jewish people, God's people. Now, today we might not think of the Sabbath day as much as we think of Sunday. What should be unique about Sunday, we could ask people today. And, and it, let, me, let me tell you, a decreasingly common answer is, well, you should go to church. If you, you polled the public, going to church on Sunday would be a decreasingly popular answer. However, I think people that don't go to church, those that do, still might answer something like this. Well, Sunday, what's unique about Sunday? Sunday is a day that I can connect with God. I can connect with God. And if you ask Jesus, Jesus, is the Sabbath day about me connecting with God? You know, I don't think he would disagree with that statement at all. Now, he might add to it a little bit, but he wouldn't disagree with that statement. The Sabbath day, Sunday, it's a chance for us to connect with God. The problem is, just as the religious leaders in the story demonstrate to us, you can go to church, you can connect with God, and you can still remain completely focused on yourself. And that's what the religious leaders did in the story. Oh, sure, when they were walking to the synagogue that Sabbath day, they may have been thinking they were going to worship God, But in the end, their focus was simply just on themselves. The religious leaders thought that the Sabbath day was their opportunity to prove their faithfulness by following the practices given by God. And one of those practices, they believed, was a complete avoidance of work. And that's why 
the religious leaders were so infuriated with Jesus healing this man. So much so, did you catch verse 6, that they plotted to kill Jesus as a response. And they considered this act of healing to be work. But what does Jesus show? He shows that the real heart for the Sabbath is not activities, but it's people. Listen, people are sacred to God. Life is sacred to God. And if your worship or your devotion to God on the Sabbath day doesn't result in you loving what God loves, then you aren't really connecting with God, are you? Let me say that again, put it a little differently. If your heart is not being changed to love what God loves, you are only using God for your own purposes. And this is ultimately what the religious leaders were doing in this story. They were expecting Jesus to agree with their understanding of the Sabbath. They wanted Jesus to support their program. But Jesus' program was people. Now, there is one activity on the Sabbath that God does say is, is very important, and that is rest. Rest is really important. It's a really important theme in the Bible. Why does God want people to rest on the Sabbath? Well, I think, I think the most important reason is this. Uh, because the temporary, rest that is a, the temporary rest is a symbol of the permanent rest that God wants to give to us. The temporary rest that God wants us to have on the Sabbath day, Sunday, is a symbol of the permanent rest that God is going to give to us. See, the Sabbath is a reminder that uh, there is pain in life, though there is pain in life, though there is hard struggles at times, rest is coming. Rest is coming, and God wants all of creation to point to that rest that is coming. And that's one of the reasons why God did not reserve rest only for people on the Sabbath, but he wanted everything to rest. Look at, what, look at what God says. This is from Exodus chapter 23. God says, Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work so that your ox and your donkey may rest. Isn't that interesting? And it's not just that the ox and the donkey needed one day out of seven to have their bodies recover. No, God wants all of creation to point to the future rest that he's, that, that he's bringing us. This goes on to say, let your servants rest as well. Let the whole land rest. It's written in the Bible. Let the land rest. And not because everyone and everything needs rest. That's true. But that's not the only point of rest. The bigger point is God wants us to live in a world that points to the lasting rest that God promises to his creation. So, Let me suggest one thing. If you are not spending a Sabbath day doing things to help you rest, you are missing out on an opportunity that God thinks is very important for you, not just physically, but spiritually, so that you are a part of all creation that is pointing to this future lasting rest that God promises to us. 
It could be Sunday. It could be another day. If Sunday is a primary employment day for you, as for some of us it is. But God says, I want you to have a day where you're participating in all of creation resting as a sign of the future rest I'm bringing. So God wants you to rest and he wants others to rest. And Jesus healing this man's withered hand, it's just the natural faithful action on the Sabbath day that's supposed to be this sacred sign or this laser pointer to the eternal rest that God is bringing. But don't think that rest means inactivity either. See, I want you to think about the different mindsets of Jesus and the Pharisees. The Pharisees send to the Sabbath around a list of don'ts. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't travel this far. And by all means, don't do any healing on the Sabbath. See, Jesus took a much different approach. (laughs) Jesus centered the Sabbath around creatively doing good instead of avoiding bad on the Sabbath. Jesus shows us something very important. That is, walking in faith is much more about creatively doing good than avoiding bad. It's a, a good thing to keep in mind as people of faith. If we want to walk in faith, it's much more about creatively doing good than avoiding bad. Now, our po- one popular notion today is opposite of that, right? One popular notion today, a popular outside of the church, hopefully it's not popular inside the church, but a popular notion today is that being a Christian is ultimately about avoiding things that God prohibits. And this negative view states that we live in this fascinating world that's full of, of pleasures to be had, good things, but if you're a Christian, you have to leave all that good stuff behind. That popular notion is that being a faithful Christian really means lessening your desires and limiting your actions. Be that drab of gray in a world full of color. That's that negative view about what it means to be a Christian. But it's entirely wrong. See, God has created you with enormous creative capacity and potential. Do you know that? Do you know that that you have enormous creative capacity? It's important to know or to remember the very first thing that the Bible says about human beings. You You know the very first thing that the Bible says about human beings? I bet you can think of it. Way back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, says this. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image. In our likeness. That's the first thing it said about human beings, that we are made in God's image. God created us in his image. What is God doing as he's making us in his image? He's creating. The very next verse celebrates this. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Now, being created in God's image means many things, But it should not be a surprise at all that it definitely means that you and I have enormous creative capacity because we are made in the image of the God who creates. And God wants us to use that creative capacity to bring good. 
And I think this is why Jesus gets so angry at the, at the religious leaders. You know, he doesn't just, oh, you silly religious leaders. No, he gets angry at them. Our story said that Jesus was angry at the religious leaders and he was filled with grief because of them. He's not just upset with how they're treating the man. He's also upset with how they are understanding themselves. See, God did not create them just to nitpick about how to best honor God on the Sabbath or what to avoid on the Sabbath. And he certainly did not create them to use this man as a tool to try to trap Jesus. He created them with enormous creative potential for good. And and Jesus knows the world is starving for people of faith to do good. It's starving for people of faith to do good. So the second thing that Jesus shows us in this story is that doing good cannot wait one more day. And we have to notice something in the story. Jesus refused to wait one more day to heal this man's hand. He could have. He could have waited one more day. He refused to do so. See, Jewish law, the, 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 the law that developed through rabbis, teachers of the law, working things out in their minds, how does it mean, what does it mean to, to follow faithfully God's law? Well, the Jewish law that they worked out... Um, allowed life-saving work to be done on the Sabbath. But let's face it, this man's need, his affliction, wasn't, wasn't a life-or-death situation. Uh, his shriveled hand. It could wait one more day. Jesus could have avoided a lot of trouble if he would just have given in the religious leaders, pick his battles. That sounds like good diplomacy if you ask me. Don't heal this man on the Sabbath. Okay, okay, I'll just wait one more day. Jesus doesn't wait one more day. The healing couldn't wait. And I want you to believe that about how God relates to you. See, one of the gifts of this story is it dispels the myth that God just doesn't care all that much about bringing you good that you need that God is distant, that God is uncaring. I don't know, we can get in that, that mindset. God, you just must not... Do, do, do you really know what my need is? Do you, do you really know? Do you really care all that much? Because in this story, Jesus reveals the heart of God. See, Jesus is our most vivid revelation of the character of God. If you want to know who God is, you look at Jesus. And Jesus shows... That God is a gracious and compassionate God because God will not wait one more day to do good for you. Why? Because your life is sacred to God. Listen, God sees exactly what you need, exactly what you need for this day, and he will not wait one more day to give that good to you. And if the good that you think that you need does not come, that is because God knows there is a greater good that he wants to give to you by having you wait. But God will not wait one more day to give the good that he knows that you need. And that's why we can say that God is good all the time. And that all the time, God is good. And so we have this good God that will not wait one more day to bring us that good. And he invites people of faith into this way of bringing good to others. And realizing that there is urgency 
to do that. Look, look, I think of Ephesians chapter 5, where the Apostle Paul, so look, look, look at what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Don't let one opportunity go by because the days are evil and people are starving for Christians to do good. This world is starving for that. And Paul goes on to say, all right, Paul goes on to say, I want you to sing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Now, that may, uh, that may sound, quite honestly, a little bizarre. But what is Paul's point? Paul's point is this. We need to encourage one another. I don't know if we have a blank slide to go up there. Maybe God wants us to really focus on that scripture from Ephesians 5. But let me tell you, God says encourage one another because life can be rough and tough. We need to notice when others are hurting and others need to notice when we are hurting. And don't miss a single moment to do good for one another. So I want you to, uh, just as an exercise... I just want you to look around the the room for a moment. Not at the walls, but at people. Because that's what Jesus was about. And, you know, sometimes we go to church and and it's easy to think or to slip in the mindset of, oh, I'm here, I'm I'm me, I'm the individual, or maybe it's my family. And I'm in a room full of other people, but, but I'm really here for me and God. But God says, yeah, you are here for you and me, but also... For one another, so that we can notice one another's needs and for others to notice our needs. God wants us to be a caring family of faith where people look out for one another. So, our worship together should inspire us not to wait a single day in doing good for others. And, and, and one thing that both the religious leaders and Jesus had in common is, is they noticed this man's need, didn't they? <laughs> Um, they had no difficulty in noticing this man's need. It's just what they did with that. And the religious, religious leaders used that as a trap for Jesus. But Jesus was watching this man for another reason. And it's because he was on a rescue mission. Romans chapter 8, verse 21 says this, that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to death and decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. See, that's Jesus' rescue mission, to liberate people from bondage to death and decay and bring them into freedom. And that's what Jesus was doing in the story. So the third thing that Jesus shows us, Jesus gives this man freedom to live out God's purposes. He's giving him freedom as he heals his shriveled hand. And I want to just spend the last few minutes doing a little speculation with you. How do you think this man thought about his restored hand? Think about that for a moment. His hand is restored. What does he now think about this hand that is healed by Jesus? He probably thought, this is the most incredible hand on the planet now. 
He may have thought, this is my holy hand. And I don't know how he used it, but who knows? Maybe when he went home from the synagogue that day, he said, honey, hand me that broom because I'm going to be helping you a whole lot around the house. Or, or, or that Jacob, you know, Jacob down the street, his ox cart is broken and it needs fixing and I'm going out with my holy hand and I'm going to help Jesus, uh, Jacob with his need. Uh, I think he used that holy hand to carry out God's purposes for him. You know what I bet you he didn't use that hand for, for cheating others, um, hitting his wife, whatever, you know. He never, I, I bet you it just transformed the way that this man thought about his hand. The freedom that he received from Jesus. And Jesus invites us to be on this rescue mission Following Jesus is not about following religious rules, but instead being on this rescue mission with Jesus. It can be very intimidating to be the center of attention. But I'll tell you something. Jesus has you in the center of his attention. And when he died on the cross... For the forgiveness of sins, he did that with you in mind so that he could restore your life with God. And now he invites you, people of faith, to go on this rescue mission with him. Life is sacred to God, and each person has this holy purpose from God. And when you do good to others, when you do good to others, it's not just doing a good deed. You're working to provide freedom, freedom for that person, the freedom to live out God's holy purpose for him or her. Listen, as we get ready to pray, I want you to think about the rest of this morning, the rest of this day, the rest of this week, and the opportunities to show this this kind of loving action to others that Jesus showed this man on that Sabbath day. And let's pray for those opportunities that God will bring to us. Our Lord and our God, thank you that you have died and you have risen so that we might have a new life. Not just a life of forgiven sins, but a life of walking with you and being a part of your rescue mission in this world. Sent out to love and to show kindness not just good deeds, but to be a sign of your goodness in this world, that you're alive and that you are near, that we live in your goodness. So to this world that is starving for your people of faith to do good, we say, Lord, show us the way. Make those opportunities for us. Help us to notice them, and we will follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.